Nashville, I'm Bucky. Juice box. Oh boy. And we do know that it is January and it is cold. And uh, what we like to do on Raising Nashville is keep topics relevant, especially when we're talking about uh, cities and, and parenting and things like that. We've done a pretty good job. And we're not even a year into this podcast yet. And we have something exciting to tell you guys. This has finally paid off for us. We have built this loyal listenership over the last, I don't know, eight, nine, nine months. And, right. uh, you know, we, we've had people come out to the red door during the holidays. We have, uh, had giveaways for, uh, autographed <laughs> pictures of us going to Nashville nightmare, but our loyal listenership has come through and we couldn't be more excited. So what we wanted to do is record an episode about something we just got invited to, all three of us have been, but never in this capacity. Yeah. Or together. And the fact that we all get to go together is super exciting because we don't get to, I mean, we get to do this together, but we don't get to get out together often. So I'm pumped about this. And I know you guys are just riddled with anticipation about what we're talking about. We have uh, a loyal listener and his name is... And he has actually invited us to the 146th running of the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Not only invited us, like not paying 50 or $75 to go stand in the infield or on the paddock, we are in a box with our loyal listener, and we couldn't be more excited. Right, and we vetted this dude to make sure it's a real thing. It's right. a yeah, legit yeah. thing. We've seen the tickets. It's the real deal. We, we have, and it's... I, I'm just shaking with excitement right now because right because um, it it's really hard to get a box seat for the Derby. It's like, expensive. It is very expensive, and even beyond like just the money, it's it's tough to just get one. Absolutely. So with that being said, and our excitement, we couldn't wait to bring to you uh, a Kentucky Derby episode uh, based around the first Saturday in May. Yep. And what we're gonna do, guys, this week is we are going to actually record this and then we're going to attend the Kentucky Derby so there's going to be a good 5 months uh 4 to 5 months of time lapse here and then the Monday or the Sunday after the Kentucky Derby's over if we're well enough at that point <laughs> yeah, from, the, from the night before let's say we're going to record that on Monday okay on Monday after the Kentucky Derby we're going to record a follow up to this just so you all have it in one episode talking about our experience which is going to be amazing yep yeah, get this out of the way. That way we we don't want to be too hungover to get through the history and everything we're about to cover. So Yeah. 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 And with it being the first Saturday in May, um, what we like to do on Raising Nashville Podcast is bring to you, as always, a history kind of uh, to bring you up to speed about what we're talking about. So what we're going to do is we're going to roll through some Kentucky Derby history for you guys. Yep. Then we're going to have uh, some you know fun facts. We're, gonna, we're also going to tell you how and we know it's called raising nashville we're going to tell you how the kentucky derby actually relates to nashville but before we get into this uh again let's go ahead and title this episode first saturday in may 
it means so many things to so many people, especially in the Southeast. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to kick it over to Old Boy, and he's going to run you through a brief history of the Kentucky Derby. All right. So uh, as the only one here not from Kentucky, I'm, I'm going to take true. you a little, bit, a little bit through the history. Uh, so forgive me if I get anything wrong to you Kentuckians. So historically, as we've mentioned, it's, uh, it's held on the first Saturday in May capping off a two-week-long Derby Festival, which uh, I learned a little bit about but won't dive into. Um, the Derby is a grade one stakes race for three-year-old thoroughbreds, and the race itself is a one-and-a-quarter miles or two kilometers held at Churchill Downs. It's known as the Run for the Roses and uh, the most exciting two minutes in sports. Furthermore, it is the first leg of the American Triple Crown followed by Preakness Stakes and Belmont Stakes. And I had a quick question for you guys. Would you rather go to Preakness or would you rather go to Freaknik in Atlanta? And that was – that's a real question. I've never been to either, but I think I would be – Choose. you got to choose one. Freaknik. Definitely. So um, the Kentucky Derby has been held uninterrupted since 1875, which is very impressive. 146 years. Yep. Yeah. Which is very cool. There's, All right, yeah. There's nothing that's going to stop it at this point. I mean, if war didn't stop it, if uh, the Great Depression didn't stop it, what will? You yeah, know? nothing can stop this thing. It's, it, that's just awesome. So, uh, real quick, I'm, I'm going to dive into the history. History. So, in 1872, Colonel Meriwether Lewis Clark Jr., who is the grandson of William Clark of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, went to England. Uh, specifically in Surrey and Epsom, where the Derby, they, they have the, the Derby, had been running annually since 1780. Then he traveled to Paris to visit the Trench Jockey Club, established 1863. They organized the Grand Prix de Paris at Longchamp, at the time the greatest race in France. All right, so he's going around, studying up, doing his due diligence on these, uh, on these other races. Um, high stakes races. So I, I'm not going to say Colonel Meriwether Lewis Clark Jr. every time. So he's just going to fucking Mary. Please do. No. Mary, so he came home and Mary. formed the Louisville Jockey Club to raise money for racing facilities, which became Churchill Downs, named after John and Henry Churchill, who provided land for the grounds. And it officially became Churchill Downs in 1937. But anyway. 1937? Yeah, officially. Yeah, it, it was already called Churchill Downs, but it officially, per Wikipedia and uh, HistoryJoundBot.com. <laughs> we the, do our research. The Kentucky Derby was first run at one and a half miles, or 12 Edward Furlongs, or 2.4 kilometers. <laughs> Is that current day Edward Furlong, or that, 1992 Edward Furlong? 92, the Terminator Ed, Edward Furlong. It's a 92 Furlong. Okay. Which is the same distance as the Epsom Derby, but in 1896, it officially changed to the one and a quarter mile. In uh, All right, so the first Derby was held on May 17th, 1875. Uh, there were 15 horses, and they're all three-year-old thoroughbreds raced in front of a crowd of 10,000 people. Uh, Which I'll, seems like a lot of people for 1875. No Maybe doubt. I'm Has wrong. To be. No doubt. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, that seems like a lot of people. So uh, Oliver Lewis Aris, uh, was the jockey. Aristides, I'm probably mispronouncing that, was the horse, and they won the very first derby in 1875. But business for uh, the actual derby floundered until about 1902 when Colonel Matt Wynn 
created a conglomeration of business owners that took over. Now, I do want to point out everybody in Kentucky is a fucking colonel, by the way. <laughs> that That's really when it became the preeminent stakes race in the U.S. is when uh, Matt Wynn took it. So I, I want to say that I am not a colonel, but now I'm going to look into it because you, I want to be known as Colonel Juice Bucks on this podcast from, I from think then on. I, if you move out of state, you're automatically disqualified. <laughs> oh, really? Well, crap. I don't know that. I'm not from Kentucky. So uh, tr- uh, the Triple Crown, real quick, I'll just give a little Triple Crown update. Um, to do to to be considered a Triple Crown winner, you have to win the first race, Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont. But the Triple Crown was officially created in 1930. Now, in 1919, there was a horse, Sir Barton. He actually won all three races, but it wasn't actually recognized as the Triple Crown. Uh, he won it in 1919 and um actually the horse itself sir barton became a colonel Uh, and also 1930 real quick i'm about to do a a quick run on some history but also in 1930 was when they officially made it the first saturday in may uh was derby day it'd been some different it was like mid-may at that uh prior so uh in 1925 was the first radio broadcast of derby on whas and wgn in chicago and that automatically makes me think of the plot of the sting, um, where they po- <laughs> post paste uh, or or pass post the recording. Yeah, um, and there's ni- a lot of o- OTBs in Chicago. What I, I've noticed when I go there, okay. off track betting. Yeah. So they were yeah. they were ahead of it. Yeah, no doubt. So anyway, uh, 1949 was the first televised coverage by an uh, NBC affiliate. 1952 national coverage by a CBS affiliate. 1970, Diane No Chump Crump became the first female jockey to ride the Derby, and she became a colonel. And 1973, a little horse by the name of Secretariat broke fastest the fastest race record, clocking in at one minute fifty nine point four seconds, yet to be broken. It still holds that record. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly he's the, most, he's the LeBron James of the Kentucky Derby, or the Michael Jordan. Not, not LeBron James. Let me take that back. He's the Michael Jordan of the Kentucky Derby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Two thousand five. Um, the purse distribution now includes first through fifth finishers, whereas previously it had just been first through fourth. Two thousand nineteen. Uh, Three million dollars is now the purse money in distri- uh, distribution. Whereas in '96 it was one million, 2005 it was two million. I uh, think it's funny that like, and we can talk about this a little bit more. But the fir- the year that they boost up the pot and the winner is the year that they have the first controversy of like the winner and the first disqualification of a horse. I'm yeah. glad that you brought that up because that is one of that. It just fuels the excitement for me is the fact that we're getting to attend this year. As last year we all watched it from Nashville. And um, it was the biggest debacle in the Kentucky Derby history. And I remember it was, I want to go see something like that. Now, I know a lot of people said that this probably will never happen again because it it was unprecedented. We all waited, what, 10 minutes between the final? At least it seemed like it was forever. And then it was just like, it's one of those things. To me, I don't know about you guys, if you were paying attention, it felt like it was like a holding call in, in, um, football it's like one of the they're like okay yeah this horse kind of got in front of this other horse but it's like you could call that a hundred thousand times during a race it seems like yeah yeah no kidding it was it was very interesting i think they it was all on the jockey um right and 
I don't know. It great for the horse that won. Uh, I can't remember the horse's name. Uh, uh, second chance. So, <laughs> it was not that. That's a good. I would. One. I would be hollering conspiracy if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the great things about the Kentucky Derby is that not a lot of people know this, but it is actually related to Nashville in a way. And um, you know, if you are new to Nashville or one of the uh, now, I think according to the census, we're going through eighty-seven people who move here every day. You might not know that the Kentucky Derby is very closely rela- related to the Bellmead Plantation. Um, so I, I want to go through the relation of that really quick um, because there's some interesting stuff here. Uh, in 1807, now this is, you know, the Kentucky Derby started in 1875. In 1807, a guy named John Harding buys a cabin in 250 acres slightly west of Nashville. Um, he calls it the Bellmead Plantation. It stands for Beautiful Meadow in French. Um, so he loved the land that he had. Say it in your best French accent. But Bellmead Plantation or Beautiful Meadow? Bellmead Plantation. <laughs> Give me an example of a French accent. Uh, oui, oui. <laughs> no, you can't do that. I've got one other quick question. What was the guy's name again? John Harding. Did he tell people that he lived in Nashville? <laughs> oh, no. No, because he, well, maybe he did. But he named his plantation uh, Bellmead. And it was known for uh, raising livestock. Uh, they grew cotton. They operated sawmills. Uh, there were some blacksmiths on property. Um, and obviously, you know, this is pre-Civil War. So there was some, you know, uh, slave labor that was doing most of, you know, the work on the plantation. Let's say everything. <laughs> Probably everything. So nine years later in 1816, uh, John Harding becomes kind of bored with what's going on in his plantation. Uh, he starts boarding horses for other people. More notably, uh, Andrew Jackson kept his horses on Bellmead Plantation's farm. So he's boarding these horses, and like I said, uh, the story goes he's kind of bored. So he starts developing these straight stretch races for these horses, and he gets some of the uh, some of the more I guess smaller, if that's a, a appropriate term here slaves to start riding these horses and racing them size challenged size challenged there you go and they were racing these horses on the property just straight stretches um and that kind of uh snowballed uh and just kept getting bigger and bigger 1839 again we're still you know 40 something years away from the kentucky derby uh john harding passes on his farm to william harding his son who actually uh, buys 5,400 additional acres. Now, this was 250 acres. <laughs> then he, he just comes in, he inherits this uh, Bellamy plantation and buys the surrounding 5,400 acres. So at this point, it is massive. And So let me just throw something out here real quick. Like, we're all bored sometimes. We get into hot, you know, we try to pick up hobbies. We do different things. This guy got so bored and had so much money and land. His hobby was just to start racing horses and find people to ride these horses as fast. Like that's damn. I can't even wrap my mind around that. That's the 1%. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. I you're mean, right. th- this guy has everything that he needs. So he becomes bored. You're right. That's just naive. I mean, and, not understand this. So they continue to race horses for about 40 years. Now let's uh, fast forward to, uh, I'm going to jump forward and I'm going to jump back. I'm going to get in the DeLorean here for a second. In 1875, that's the first year the Kentucky Derby ran, right, old boy? True. Um, And then at that that same year, Harding 
decided to retire his racing skills on the property um, because I think that he knew that something big was coming in a northern state. Um, so he retired his skills and he started breeding horses. So he figured that he could make more money instead of people coming to watch his horses run. Uh, he could make more money actually breeding horses and selling them to people. But in 1873, two years prior to the Kentucky Derby, uh, William Harding obtains a horse called Bonnie Scotland. Um, this horse is from the, the UK. It actually had won some races. Uh, he was traveling over there to attend some races as well. So he buys Bonnie Scotland in 1873. Uh, then he goes back in 1881 and buys the first American bred horse to win the Epsom Derby, which you mentioned earlier, right. the biggest derby in the world. Um, the first American bred horse to win that, he buys that. He brings them both to his farm. He starts studying. Um, and at this time, uh, the studying fees in 1892 were $2,500 a shot. My God. Um, so every time you wanted to bring your horse and breed it with these hor these stud horses, which are well-known horses, they've won races, they have a thick bloodline, uh, rich history, uh, so he has Bonnie Scotland and a horse called Iroquois, uh, which famously is uh, was deemed the horse race here in Nashville, the steeplechase. Iroquois steeplechase is named after that horse. Um, Bonnie Scotland's bloodline is still relevant today. Most notably, the 2018 winner of the Kentucky Derby, Justify, can be traced back to that horse that resided on Bellmead Plantation. Wow. Yeah. Um, not only that, Bonnie Scotland has actually, uh, the bloodline has produced Winners such as Man of War, Sea Biscuit, Secretariat, the most famous horse uh, to ever run, Seattle Slough, Affirmed, and Justify. Even further, this is an insane fact. This one horse that resided on Bellamy Plantation that is known for this bloodline. Mr. Uh, Ed? No, it's... <laughs> it's probably the first talking yeah. horse. <laughs> Mr. Ed might have come from Bonnie Scotland, but no... Here's a fun fact. Every horse that ran in the 2018 Kentucky Derby came from Bonnie Scotland uh, or has that bloodline in their system. Every that, single wow. one. Huh. That, um, that's crazy. Is that? Hmm. It is. I feel like you're running into a lot of inbreeding at that point, right? Yeah. Am they're, I wrong about that? Running into each other, just head first. <laughs> God. I hope not. <laughs> this horse is a pure blood. It can't see. It can't run straight. So the other horse that I mentioned that they bought in 1881, Iroquois, uh, Iroquois, Iroquois, which however you want to pronounce it depends on uh, if you're listening to pop music of the 90s or uh, you didn't get that. I just keep going. Uh, yeah. Jamiroquois. Uh, <laughs> Iroquois. Iroquois. God, I can't even say it now. Iroquois. Uh, is one of the five bloodlines that are required to run in the Kentucky Derby every single year. I did not know that. Huh. I didn't know that either. Was that, in, how, what does that mean? Was that prerequisite to be related? Correct. In, in order to run in the Kentucky Derby every year, you have to come from one of five bloodlines from horses. You That doesn't seem right. It doesn't, but I did the research again. HistoryChannel.com. They want thoroughbred, so you have to have a you have to have the genealogy, I guess, of that horse. So I, I it's all you know, it's just all something to talk about. And so there could just be some badass horse from the other side of the tracks, and they're just not even going to let him take nope. a chance in the Derby. Nope. I'm sure. I'm thinking a movie's writing itself here. No doubt. So with that being said, we definitely wanted to run through the history, tell how it relates to Nashville, and now most of you have been waiting for this because. We know some of you have been, some of you know stories, some of you know, you know, kind of some things about the Kentucky Derby that just stand out. 
So what we've tasked Juicebox with this week is to bring the funny. And that is some fun facts about the Kentucky Derby because it there are some odd things that go on. Um, there's some historic things that go on. There's some, you know, people that attend. Yeah, anything with this rich of a history has got some fun, interesting things about it. Too. And the fact that hundred, almost 100,000 people, 120,000 people attend every year. It's way more than that, actually. They set oh, a record it? a couple of years ago that was 170,000. But no, I just want to talk about, because it is such an event. And like growing up in Kentucky, like I wasn't really big into the Kentucky Derby. I grew up in Lexington. You know, we had Keeneland. We had horse racing there. And it was like, you know, obviously it was a big thing, but I just, our family wasn't really that big into it, so I wasn't super interested in it. Not everybody is. But that being said, every time Derby came around, it was like a big event. It was on TV. You know, they were doing a live setup from the track every day. They Or that day, they were showing like all the celebrities and all the people that had come into town, all the events, you know. So that's the thing that you associated with it, at least for me growing up, was like, oh, this is a big time event that a lot of celebrities go to. Sure. So I started to like look into some of like just some of like the more notable celebrities that have gone because, you know, you think it's like this super glamorous event. So uh, there has actually been eight presidents that have attended. Um, Nixon went in 1969. He's actually the only president that went while he was president. Uh, Other people were either before or after they were president. H.W. Bush has been three times, 93, 95 and 2000. Uh, W went in 2000 before you, the year before he was president. Uh, Jimmy Carter went in 83. Gerald Ford actually went 13 times to 13. the Derby. Yeah. Dang. He, I was looking it up. It was like, he went in the early seventies and then from like 77 through 87, maybe even longer than that. He went for like a 10 year stretch and then a couple other random ones here and there. So he was a fan. I only know one person that's been more than 13 times. Me too. Lyndon Johnson went in 1952. Uh, Reagan went in 1969 with Nixon when Reagan was the governor of California. And actually, Trump went in 1999 with uh, Melania before he was actually married to her, apparently. Do you think uh, Trump will go this year? Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe. The only reason I ask. Well, uh, do you think the horses are going to wrestle? Is he into wrestling? Oh, you know he's a wrestler. <laughs> he's you been, know he's a wrestler. I know, I know. No, he's actually set to uh, drive the pace car. He's at, not going to drive it. No, <laughs> let me rephrase. <laughs> he's set to ride in the pace car for the Daytona 500 this year, which is the first president to ever do that. So you'd uh-huh. think that he would be Nixon-esque in go, attending the Kentucky Derby. This Real, is way While up. president. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to derail it for a second. How long do you actually think it's been since Donald Trump has driven a car? I'll, that was going to be my question. Do you think he's actually driven a car? I mean, he's from New York, oh, so man, I don't he's know. rich. Yeah. Uh, I think he, well, his family was rich before he, yeah, he may have never driven a car. I'd say he probably hasn't driven a car in 30 years. I think that would be my next, my next press question as a journalist. Um, okay, so... I want to jump into just some of the celebrities. Yeah, that, I'm more pre- presidents are okay, but I want to talk. Well, about I thought that was interesting because you know presidents. You know, we always see presidents at like March Madness and stuff like that. Sure. So to to only have eight or nine or however many people I said that pe- a president said at attending this, I I feel like it's it's kind of relevant. Yeah. Sure, but this is the opportunity for celebrities to get dressed and dolled up, wear these huge hats. Come with the suits and everything, so I'm I'm more interested in that. Okay, well then I guess I'll start with like probably the number one biggest celebrity to go to Derby, and that would be Kid Rock. 
has to oh, be right, without how, a doubt. And he's he's attended several he's times. He's been, yeah, he's been he's been a few times. Okay. Oh man, how big are his hats? Um, I mean, he he just wears that same old uh, what do you call that? A fedora that he that he just uh, always wears. Like he wears his Kid Rock hat. Oh, okay. he, 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 gotcha, he gotcha. wears his Kid Rock hat. Gotcha. Yeah, I bet he's dressed to the nines. Uh, that is big because I mean he has the biggest bar in downtown Nashville. So that's got to be the biggest celebrity does. Yeah, I mean easily. So my um, question would be: Do you think he ever attended when Joe C was with him? Did he ever take a date? You know, I, I looked into that. I could not get any confirmation that Josie had attended the Kentucky Derby. Well, we hope he has. You know, I heard he's got a big uh, a big plot of land off of, what, like uh, Brick Church Pike or White, Brid- White Ridge Road, something like that. Okay. And uh, I was just wondering if you guys think maybe he races big donkeys out there. Okay. So, anyway, some of the other celebrities that have attended the Derby, Bobby Brown. And let me say that I'm not talking about Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. I'm talking about Bobby Brown from the 80s. Okay, was he with Whitney? Uh, no, Whitney is already dead. He was there okay. in 2018. Uh, so he waited. He was there. Yeah, he waited. He was looking rough and sweaty. Um, let's see who else. Uh, you got the Staples, Tara Lipinski and uh, Johnny Weir there every year looking fabulous. Yeah, they're uh, pretty much on the mics now, right? They are. They, they are. just interview people. You've got uh, Anthony Anderson. Wait a minute, the guy that's in Blackish? Yeah. Okay. You've got Harry Connick Jr. Yep. That's you've, a big one. You've got my personal favorite, and I would have put him up higher, honestly. Larry Burkhead. He is the guy that they always show pictures of every year because he's the guy that knocked up Anna Nicole Smith and had a baby with her. So he is at the Derby every year. Wait, the old guy? No. Reggie Jackson actually attended the uh Derby. I, hey, I'm I'm pretty sure I saw Reggie Jackson that year. <sighs> I, that was a year that I went with you, and uh-huh. I don't think that was Reggie Jackson. It had to have been Reggie I'm going to get the picture. He we'll was look. taking pictures with people. Uh, Nick Lachey, uh, Guy Fieri, um, uh, Cindy that, Lauper went. That's all right. Um, wait a minute. Guy Fieri, that sounds familiar. Um, did you guys have a Guy Ferrari run in? I feel like we did. I was extremely drunk, but I do think I ran into a Food Network personality. I mean, I remember those tips. <laughs> those frosty tips the frosty tips yeah. i remember something it was either that or uh you know some rando did because he, did he i'm give seeing you, double at that point did he give you like a jalapeno bacon burger or something? he did he just pulled it out With of his flavor? pocket said i whipped this uh, up in the bathroom With some flavor sauce <laughs> let's see a couple other couple other big names ice tea ice tea tori yeah. spelling uh josh groban I think what you're saying is this Jermaine is a, Dupree. This, this is, is a really classy event. It is. Carson, Carson Daly. Yeah, yeah. These these are all major celebrities that you're going through right now. I mean, it doesn't get any more top tier than Carson Daly. No, this this is the culture of the United States. These well, are the leaders of our culture. When you told me Gerald Ford went thirteen times in a row, I was like, All right, man. Well, he is... went he went ten times in a row. Oh, let's let's oh, not sorry. get crazy. Okay. Well, Real quick though, also like, you know, I'm I'm kinda joking around with this but right. like the queen of england at- attended in 2007 that's pretty cool um, that's a big deal yeah that was huge um there was other royalty that's attended like throughout the thing I'm i don't think that's as big all, as but... carson daly but it's a big deal well and no one's as big as kid rock so yeah, no, i mean, that's that's true. Just, I, mean no I should have just ended the list there she should have just stayed home because she if she was competing for biggest celebrity mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and i'll just wrap it up um as far as the celebrities go um, there was a, there's been a few celebrity horse owners 
uh, Burt Bacharach owned like three or four horses at different times. Barry Gordy, the music producer. Barry Gordy. Um, George Steinbrenner, that character from Seinfeld. <laughs> Rick Pitino, who was like a basketball coach or something. Um, <laughs> wow. Steven Spielberg. Spielberg had a horse? Spielberg, yeah, from that movie. Um, War Horse? Yeah, War Horse. And then the biggest name on this list, I think, MC Hammer. MC Hammer owned a horse that ran in the Derby in uh, 1994. How wow. did it do? Did it win? It did as good as his career after 1996. Mm, stellar. So it went very uh, religious. So, th- you know, that's the celebrity thing. I feel like one thing, I, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, I was like, oh, my God, the biggest celebrities go to the Derby. And maybe bigger celebrities did go back in the day. But, like, the past few years, I feel like it's like – Aside, I mean, the Queen, I guess, is pretty big, but it. But it's Ice like, Tea, that's huge. Okay, so that's it with the celebrities. You know, you can look up and see. There's tons of celebrities that have been and yada yeah. yada yada. Um, I want to just run through a couple quick fun facts about the Derby that are just like you may or may not know. Um, Please do, because I'm so excited. So the mint julep is like the drink of the Derby, as you guys know. Almost 120,000 mint juleps are served every year over the weekend at Kentucky Oaks and Derby. And what's 120,000? And, and what's the attendance record? <laughs> well, one for the, everybody. The attendance record is 170,000 people, but this is for Oaks and Derby. So that's okay. two day, you know. Gotcha. So Derby's like 170 or has been like close to that past few years. Oaks, I can't remember what the numbers are on that. It's not it's not quite as packed, but I mean it's impressive. It's a yeah. lot of drinks. So it requires 1,000 pounds of mint, 60,000 pounds of ice, and 10,000 bottles of Old Forester mint julep cocktail mix. Oh. So Man. to go on top of that, you know, people are, people are drinking their minds, you know, people are, people are losing bourbon. their mind drinking. Yeah. Yes. So on top of that, you know, everybody's getting hungry. So the amount of food eaten is 142,000 hot dogs, 18,000 barbecue sandwiches, 13,000 pounds of beef, 32,000 jumbo shrimp, 9,000 scallops, 8,000 pounds of potatoes, and 30,000 cookies and 300,000 strawberries. There's your challenge, Joey Chestnut. <laughs> 300,000. Like, that's, and that's that's not over the weekend. That's for like one day. That's derby, derby day. 142,000 hot dogs. The twins, the famous twin spires, were built in 1894. They weren't there in 1875 when it was first built, and it's pretty interesting because I think it was like maybe it was about 10 years ago when they had that huge addition onto it. So the twin spires were no longer the tallest part of the Churchill Downs. Like there's now those giant boxes and luxury boxes that tower over it, which is kind of it's kind of weird. And now they've also built that giant screen in the middle. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's oh yeah, it's a like massive LED screen. Um, another quick interesting fact, uh, only three horses raced in the 1892 Kentucky Derby. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I think you may have mentioned that. I, I didn't mention sure it, but I saw it, yeah. And, and the winner of that Kentucky Derby was a 15-year-old kid. I, I saw that too, right? He was yeah. the youngest person to ever win the Derby, and it was that, Wait, that Derby. Wait, he rode the horse, or yeah. he was the horse? Huh? A 15-year-old kid. Do you want to take that back? <laughs> I didn't know uh, if they called horses kids at some point. Well, you had, it, the, okay. the, the race is strictly three-year-old thoroughbreds. Yeah, <laughs> let me follow it up with this other fact. 
Uh, one thing that was interesting, though, is every horse is deemed to be born on January 1st, no matter what time of year they were born, because it's like that's how they factor off the three years. So a right. horse could really technically be, I guess, over three years old or slightly under three years old, depending on when they were born. Right. I did not know that. I saw that. That's I always that thought it was very hard to wrangle up this exact age of horse and yeah, um, yeah, run them. Exactly. That's why they do it, yeah. Um, and like we said, we touched on it a little bit before, um, but the last year the pot was increased for the winner, um, and last year was the first time that there had ever been a disqualification of the winner. And I looked at I'm sorry, I pulled it up. Maximum Security was the one that was disqualified, and Country House is the oh, country yeah. house. ended up being the winner. I do remember that. Which I feel like that was kind of a long shot or longer shot, maybe. It was. Uh, I think there was a lot of money that kind of went down the drain over those ten minutes or however long it took to make that decision. I know the payouts were much different for yeah between the favorite and who in, who ended up winning. And there's a lot of people I'm sure that were pissed. Um, Probably a few that weren't. Yeah, because it is one of the biggest things that people gamble on every year if not the biggest um one of them for, for me sure. for me it's um the wwe royal rumble and then the kentucky derby that makes I sense agree. yeah agreed yeah should we should we talk about how the kentucky derby uh more or less directly relates to our podcasting um we can uh but what I want to do is because there's a potential of us winning this year. So okay. I want to I want to bring that story. We do have a great Raising Nashville podcast story. Uh, I want to tie it in once we've attended this year uh, to see if we can win any money here on Raising Nashville. Um, so what we're going to do, I think, we've gone as far as we can go. We've given you the history of the Derby, how it relates to Nashville, some fun facts. Now we're going to hang this thing up, and it's going to be so hard. It's it's like you know a present sitting right in front of you, not being able to open it for five months. We're going to hang this thing up. We're going to go to the Kentucky Derby because, again, we want to thank for inviting us to their box this year. We're so excited. We're so pumped. We had to get this on the sound waves yeah uh, as soon as possible just to kind of talk about it if you don't talk about it it's going to stay in your system bottled up and it, it's going to be tough to wait but i have to say this spring like we're traveling to california we've got a couple other like small trips going on we've got a lot of stuff to keep us busy between now and then so i think it's going to be it's going to be tough to wait it out but it is it'll, it'll yeah. go by pretty quick i've I think. got wrestlemania coming up uh, i've got field seats to wrestlemania i've got box seats to the kentucky Derby. i feel like i am a one percenter at this point yeah, it sounds I, like I it. mean, if it, this is going to be a great year. 2020 is starting off incredible. I am so excited for what this year holds, especially the events we get to do. So right now we're going to hang it up and we're going to revisit you guys. Not not one day because we're fighting our hangovers, but two days after the Kentucky Derby, Old Boy has agreed to record our reaction to the greatest two minutes in sports. So let's hit pause. Well, that was depressing to listen to. Um, we are back, not from the Kentucky Derby. I, I, no. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I've been punched in the belly. Um, I feel like this coronavirus has just taken everything from us, including these incredible, incredible tickets that we had to this year's Kentucky Derby. Yeah. yeah, big shout out and still thank you to for 
inviting us, and we're sorry this happened. So maybe hopefully we see you in when's, – when's it been rescheduled? It's, uh, it's rescheduled for September at this point. And we don't know right. if he's going to invite us to the September race. And we don't know if the race is actually going to happen, which is this is it, – it really is. We understand staying safe, and we understand trying to get this country back. But we also understand the defeating time that we're living in right now. I mean – I didn't get to go to WrestleMania, and now I'm not getting to go to the Run for the Roses, the 146th Kentucky Derby. I'm at a loss for words, and and there's really nothing that we can do here except make mint juleps and get. That's it. We can. We're gonna. We're gonna make some mint juleps, and and we're gonna try to remember the good times and. That's the only way that we thought that we could, you know, complete this episode, which we can't just sit it on the shelf for another year. We wanted to get it out to you guys, and we wanted something, you know, positive to come from the Kentucky Derby cancellation. Yep. So what we decided to do is we want to tell some stories from our previous Derby. Yeah. But before that, we want to try to kickstart some positivity here by uh, I know we mentioned in the first part of the podcast that was recorded months ago that uh, Gerald Ford had attended the Kentucky Derby 13 times. And yep. I, I think I mentioned something and I said, I only know one other person that has attended more than 13 times. And that happens to be Juicebox's lovely wife, Dana. If uh, the definition of making a pro is doing something once, then uh, Dana is a pro 17 times over because she has been at least 17 times. Yeah. So let's bring in the 17-time world champion of attending the Kentucky Derby to tell us some stories and get us back in, in somewhat of a positive mood in such a downtime right now. And uh, right now, Juicebox is currently, we're, we're back in Old Boy's Garage. So yeah. we're practicing some serious social distancing distancing with this questionnaire party house we're gonna call dana from 17 houses away and get her uh perspective on the kentucky derby yep so with everything we're going through right now we definitely wanted to bring a ray of positivity towards uh uh, isolation and the fact that we can't go to certain events anymore so we've decided to bring uh, Juicebox's wife Dana on to um, to answer some questions and tell us a little bit about the Kentucky Derby uh, and her experiences because what from what we know she is probably the longest tenured person to attend the Derby uh, that we do know so before we get into the questioning, Dana, we want to say thank you so much for continuing to uh, accelerate social distancing by talking to your husband on the phone. <laughs> yes. So we all know, obviously, we are not attending the Derby on the first weekend in May. Um, with that being said, and I don't know if you can hear the somber tone in my voice, but we want you to uh, kind of give us... Uh, I, I don't know, some, some good stories about the Kentucky Derby that will carry us through the summer until potentially we can attend in September. First off, though, I want you to tell us how many times exactly that you've been. Yeah. Um, well, I've been to – well, I'm from, I'm from Louisville. Uh, so not just like the Kentucky Derby, but just horse racing and Churchill Downs in general is something that – is really a part of my life and was really a big part of my family and friends growing up. 
I went to the Derby in my house growing up. We had a house rule that you weren't allowed to go until you were um, 17 because it's such a shit show. Yes, um, they wanted to but, protect but, you. Yes. My mom, actually, when she went in high school one time, and I don't – all three of you guys have um, been to the infield, right? Yeah. You know how they have those, like um, – cinder block bathrooms in the middle oh yeah down and down the like hill a mud around it. yeah yeah so uh, those have like been the same since the beginning of time and my mom in high school was at derby and was in there and it was raided and she um like somebody like busted open the stall and like stole her necklace off off of her so it was a very traumatic experience for her so that's why wow. we weren't allowed to go in high school but wow. my parents took us to oaks which is the big um, horse race the day before. They took us every single year um, my whole life to Oaks. But then when I was 17, I went to my first derby, and I went every year until I was 34. So I think that's 17 straight derbies. Wow. Um, And the only reason I stopped was because I had a baby. (sighs) So it's been something that was always really uh, really my favorite time of the year. At home, um, I don't think many people understand that derby – a, I don't think people understand that it's not just one horse race, that um, it is a whole day of racing, but just one race is the Derby. Right. Um, and that also it is about, it's like a, it's a two week long celebration in Louisville. It kicks off with Thunder Over Louisville, which should have been this weekend at home, um, which is, I think they bill it as like the country's largest fireworks show. And then there's, um, a mini marathon and there's a hot air balloon race and there's a parade and there's a steamboat race between the Belle of Louisville and the Delta queen of Cincinnati. I mean, there's just for those solid two weeks that there's a party and a celebration every day and the city kind of shuts down around it. So it's more of a cultural experience and not just, you know, they build it as the, you know, the most exciting two minutes of sports, but it's, the most exciting two weeks of the year, if it's where you're from. I also want to throw in, uh, there's an air show the same day as Thunder Over Louisville, which makes it probably the most yeah. American day of all, of every day, except for maybe yeah. 4th of July. Fireworks and the Blue yeah. Angels. Yeah, exactly. You can't yeah. beat it. I have, a, I, I do have a question about the steamboat races. Have you ever attended one? Yes. It's got to be the slowest race ever, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's paddle boats. It's like the two oldest operational paddle boats in the world. So it's slow. It's just a reason to stand outside and drink. I mean. Didn't we watch that at Captain's Quarters one year yeah, or something? We watched, yeah. We so, watched it at Captain's Quarters. You just like sit out on the lawn, drink beer, and like wait for two ancient boats to steamroll by. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great time. We've got I, some great yeah. traditions in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it sounds like Derby is bigger and better than Christmas. Oh, it is. Like you get the you get the Friday before off school. I think in high school we had Thursday and Friday off, and it's like just anything goes. Yeah. Um. You know, it's just uh, for my like I said, my my parents let us go at seventeen. I I had the mom who like if she found out you were at a party, she would call all the other moms. You know, like oh. she was a real killjoy. But Derby week, she was like, I don't care. Right. Like, I remember one Derby, she, like, had to pry a bottle of tequila out of my best friend's hands, and we were, like, 19, and, like, didn't didn't mind at all. Like, she would – so my parents also always went to Derby. 
Okay. When they were married. And so when I went like 17, 18, probably like 19 years old, that was always a free ride because the hardest part of derby is getting to and from. And so my mom was always like, was always like, well, we'll drive you. And I was like, great. Well, we would always meet up with my parents, like me and whatever friends went with me in the, um, on the paddock after the derby ran. And my parents would be crazy. Like, one year my mom thought she met Meatloaf and was like, like, <laughs> probably. Up. Hey, yeah. She he... sent us, she, she tried to sneak us up one time because she said 98 degrees was up at Millionaire's Row. And she made me and my two best friends like scale the, <laughs> the side of this building to like go meet 98 degrees. I mean, it was just like your... anything went. <laughs> your mom was a big Nick Lachey fan then? Yeah. She was like, get up there. It also it also kind of sounds like the Derby might be the purge. Like anything, it's just lawlessness and, and debauchery. Maybe not murder or anything, yeah. but it is just like, it is. Um, it's the one day of the year that, that you're okay if your mom is looking over your shoulder, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some good stories, too. Um, a guy told me I was the ugliest girl he'd seen all day, and I punched him in the face and broke his glasses. Yes. That was um, an epic derby. We were waiting in line here. I mean, I broke my number one rule that year, which is why I ended up in a fight was that we didn't have a ride home and we were standing in a cab line, which was the one um, that might have well might as well have been the purge like that things. Are, yeah. The laws of society were breaking down in that line. Wait, so your yeah, number one, your number one rule is to always have a ride from Derby, not to not punch people in faces. <clears throat> no, to always have an exit. Well, not always have an exit strategy and it's don't smart. wear heels. Those are my two rules. It's smart. I, I think it's genius. Always have an exit strategy. Other, yeah. Otherwise, you're walking uh, about five miles before you can get to anything. No yeah. shit. Yeah. And, and women try and do it in heels. And I'm like, you you look like a rookie. Um, <laughs> some other, my favorite derby ever was 2004 when Smarty Jones won. And it was just an epic thunderstorm. And it was like pictures that I've seen before of the infield, but never truly experienced myself of it just being a straight mud pit. Mm-hmm. We were just wrestling and, and just covered in mud. And I met my, my now stepdad the very first time after that derby, he and my mom picked me up from my friend's house and I was like, just covered in mud. And he put a tarp down in the backseat and <laughs> like, I was hammered like, no. and covered in mud. And I was like, who is this guy? And my mom's like, this is Steve. I'm like, well, Whoa. nice to meet you, Steve. Have you so in in the seven eighteen out of your whole experience going to Derby, Dana? Have you ever had any uh, Louisville pterodactyl sightings? There was definitely a Louisville pterodactyl sighting. Yeah, I've heard rumors. So, Dana, since you're a pro at going to the Derby, we'll say you've done it so many times. According to Bucky, if you do something once, you're a uh, pro. You're a pro Expert. at it. So you're a pro. Oh, sep- you're a pro 17 times over. Can you give us some tips on sneaking alcohol into the derby? Well, I mean, that's, that's, there, I have a couple tips. Um, but the, the old tried and true is duct, duct taping a flask or mini bottles to your, le- like your upper thigh. That's good. Also, I've cut the lining in my purse um, and put it in there. Sweet. I've, I've known people that there's some different flasks that look like tampons. 
or like packs of cigarettes and things like that that I've um, that I've heard of. But my tried and true is to duct tape it to your leg. And if you go to the Derby, you got to hit up uh, Down the Stretch Lounge, which is a trailer? What is it? Outside of the track. Yeah, it is um, It is definitely I, a trailer that someone just towed into the and put it in the parking lot of the track. And made a bar. Is that where they and have the dildo the races? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Dildo races. And I've duct taped a many, um, many bottles to legs. Well, and also, it's also just an open bar that's for charity or whatever. Like, it's any money that you donate to it goes to, like, some kind of cancer research or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's, like, totally for a good cause, and people are just having the best time of their life out there. It's more fun than being inside of the Derby. Yeah, I know many people who never entered the track after stumbling upon down the stretch lounge. Yeah. It is awesome. There's actually a guy there named Joel. Shout out to Joel if he hears this. Um, my sister and I have called him dad for probably 10 years, I'd say. And every year we see him, we get we all get really excited. We have tales of when we were kids and how he's, you know, just we only get to see our dad once a year and we're so excited. Um, we don't know this guy from Adam. I don't know how this story <laughs> even started. But every year, my sister and I are so excited to see our dad. Oh, I got I got one more question. How many yeah. mint juleps do you think you've consumed? Ooh. How many have I, how many can I consume or have <laughs> I consumed? What's your capacity and how many have you consumed total? I mean, I've probably had over the course of this many years. Now, it took me a while to get the acquired taste for mint julep, but now I really enjoy it. So I'd say if I'm at Derby, I wouldn't probably get a mint julep if I was at the track otherwise. But um, I'd say I have like a good three or four when I'm out there. Yeah. They're expensive. Um, They do cost like 20 bucks. Yeah. They're expensive, but they come with the cool glass. And are are you a glasser? Are you the person who walks around the track with like 10 glasses stacked on top of each other? Because it's not like other sporting events when you got plastic cups. I get that. Glass is just, it seems, I know it's a tradition, but it just seems so dangerous for what is going on. I feel like people who do that are just bragging. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, I drink I this bitty. Like, yeah. They're like 19-year-old braggers. So um, I don't usually hang on to them. Plus, like, where I don't have anywhere to put it. I already told you I cut the lining in my purse for liquor to get in. So <laughs> I don't have room for glasses. All right. Well, uh, Dana, thanks so much for coming on and telling us a few stories. It definitely uh, raises our spirits a little bit or helps us get through uh, this very depressing time, uh, knowing that you were going to something that was so grand and so awesome. And then all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from underneath your feet and we uh, have to wait a few more months. Now, before we get out of here, I have one final question. Do you think the Kentucky Derby is going to happen on September 5th. I don't know, man. I've been thinking a lot about it and um, I haven't been paying enough attention to the season in general. I don't know if the other stakes races have happened because you have to qualify. You have to, to qualify to be in the Kentucky Derby. So there's a lot of other preliminary races that have to be ran 
and I'm assuming they're not running either. So I don't really see how it can happen unless all of that is postponed, um, you know, throughout the summer. So I'm hopeful. Um, I don't know if it'll happen. I kind of feel like maybe it won't. But I also just feel like if it's not happening in the first set, on the first Saturday of May, then maybe it shouldn't happen at all, you know? Yeah, and it'll be the first year in the 146 years of this running that it would potentially not happen. It, it survived the Great Depression. It survived uh, world wars. Uh, but now a virus is going to potentially take it down. We're still hopeful here. We have awesome tickets, so we're, we're ready, and we want it to happen on September 5th. Uh, again, thanks for taking the time to uh, tell a few stories, and uh, we will uh, see you from six feet away soon. Well, that was a very interesting uh, interview. I didn't know that there were basically rioters uh, in early Kentucky Derby days. No it- kidding. I want I want to find out more about that story. This is one of those things. It's like you hear the story, and like you know, now I'm like, what really happened? Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's like that's the story that you tell somebody when you are a teenager and you fuck something up. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I yeah it's a gang of outlaws. I don't know. They kicked over the bathroom door. If you lost this necklace, your mom bought you, but that's the story that was told. But that interview definitely brought me somewhat out of the slumps of not being able to attend this year. So, um, I, you know, with that being said, I'd love to talk about, I know all three of us have been to the Kentucky Derby, which we've said we've never been together. But we have our own individual stories. And right. So to bring light today, we want to tell some of the more interesting stories that have happened to us during the Kentucky Derby. Sure. Uh, so I've, I guess I can go. I've only been once. I only got one story. Um, <laughs> so just, uh, uh, I think I, I started drinking for breakfast. And we went. I, I, there was a Louisville pterodactyl sighting uh, while I was there. And our so you fact, were there fact that checker, Charlie, can attend. Attest to that. Okay. Yeah, you were there. I was. Yeah, there's rumors. So we uh, we got there, and the I don't remember much. I'll be honest with you. It's a complete shit show. Just uh, have you ever read Hunter S. Thompson's uh, Derby story? Yeah. Do yeah. you know who you're talking to? It's very much dead on. So um, I don't remember much. However, me and Bucky placed a bet. And we fucking won. We did. And that is how we talked about this uh, when we recorded in January that we wanted to save this and compare it to this year. Right. Well, now we have nothing to compare it to. So let's bring it to light. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, us three, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, had a previous podcast called Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Redbox Movie Reviews. We yep. occasionally revive it when we're, revu- re- when we're reviewing a movie on Raising Nashville. Uh, we revive our characters, and this was very early in the recording of that podcast. And I think it was what 2011. Yeah, um, 2011. Right. We're recording in Juicebox's uh, house in his uh, dining room. Yeah, I remember that. And it was we had no, we didn't have professional microphones. We were probably all sitting around like a recorder, um, trying to get those episodes out. But I remember one of the first movies we ever reviewed. The first episode the, we yeah. We never released it. Right. We thought it was so bad, and the sound quality was so bad, and our our, our uh, representation of the movie was not good, but that movie was called Animal Kingdom. Yep, test run on Animal Kingdom, and so we're at the Kentucky Derby that year, 
and there's drunk. A, yeah, extremely. And there is a horse named Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. So in, we it was running in the Kentucky Derby, and if I'm not mistaken, it was like a sixty to one horse. Uh, something. It was an insane odds, and I remember old boy and I, who was sugarcane back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh He looked at me and he said, "We've got that. It's a sign, right? We, we've got to bet on this horse. Got to." So we pulled together probably twenty five dollars. I think between us, it was it was that or buying another mint julep, and that was all we had. <laughs> That's it. So we we forego we for good yeah, <laughs> for went we for went uh, the mint juleps, and we decided to take that money and place it down on Animal Kingdom. We knew yep. that there was a there was, had to have been a shot. Yep, we hit. We hit, yes, and uh, we didn't place it. We did. I don't know if we bet on Animal Kingdom to place. Win or show, or, yeah, but whatever we did, we fucking got him. We hit. And yeah, but like, had to, you would have had to bet him either to win or across the board. Okay, then it was. That's uh, only, that's I think really it, I think it was on. to win because man, we walked out of there with a, a pocket full of cash. Yes, and we were daddy I warbucks. Mean, I yeah, I don't know how much. I can't translate it, and you guys, I'm sure don't remember. But on a two dollar bet, Animal Kingdom paid out forty three dollars. Okay, so uh, we $25. Won. We we were rolling. We and had a couple hundred bucks. We did. I, mean, I remember going to the bar and just thinking, this is the greatest idea ever. How about we buy drinks for everybody? And yeah. all of a sudden, all of that money was gone. gone. But for that split second, we were on top of the world. <laughs> well, that, we were, yeah, and that's what it's all about. That's why you go to the Derby. You know, you get... You drink way too many cocktails, yeah. and then you hopefully hit a horse. You and know? then you like wake I, up the next day and wonder where all your money went. Yeah, yeah. and your ID sometimes. <laughs> a lot of times. And your necklace. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very fun Kentucky Derby. If if I'm not mistaken, and, and a lot of you that attend regularly or attended that year specifically, if I remember this correctly, wasn't that the year that we got Osama Bin Laden? Yes. And we found... It like, was that same weekend. It was the or same... Was that, that Sunday or something, yeah. Yeah, so we got Osama bin Laden, and we'd been looking for him. I, I say we. The uh, country had been looking for him forever uh, to pay for his crimes. And we finally got Osama bin Laden. We get the news. I, I'll never forget this. We get the news, and we're at a concert uh, driving back from Alice in Chains. Is that right? That was uh, at... Uh, yes. The Woods at Fontenelle. I was at home. I don't know. Was that? No, I wasn't there. Okay, so but yeah, it was that same night though. I it was remember. the same night, and you the, weren't at an Alice in Chains concert. No, no, in town? I don't. Very, no, I, I was probably too hungover to go. Yeah, <laughs> so we go to the Kentucky Derby, and I, my fond memory is the ever ringing sound of these oh, guys selling these T-shirts. It was Stone Temple Pilots. It wasn't Alice in Chains. Uh, it was that's, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, that's a big. Yeah. So okay. we go to the Kentucky Derby, and. Uh, all of a sudden, you arrive on the grounds, and you just hear this yelling. And they're saying, gotcha, bitch. And it, I was like, <laughs> what is going on? I mean, there are 50 people yelling, gotcha, bitch. And I look, and this guy's holding a white T-shirt with Osama Bin Laden's likeness in crosshairs in the middle of the shirt. And it just says, gotcha, bitch, on the shirt. Yeah. So the entire Kentucky Derby that year, that is all we're yelling. Uh, that's all you hear everybody anywhere yelling uh, because it was kind of a joke. And I was also thought, who in their right mind would ever purchase that T-shirt? And there oh. were 50 people with bags of them. I bet they sold out. You think they sold out? <laughs> yes. Yes. Damn, There's dude. a reason they were selling them there. 
God, and it, I'll never forget that. But uh, there, I mean, there's so many fond memories of the Kentucky Derby that you can think of. Uh, That's I, uh, let me jump in. I want to touch on that a little bit because I mean, I you know I've been to the Derby five times and things get blurry. Let's just say that like very. things get blurry while you're there. So it's hard for me to just like nail down one specific time that was like a good time for me or one specific thing. For me, like every year that walk up to the Derby, especially if like for the past. For the last few years that we went, we always got a school bus, like a giant school bus, picked us up up in the Highlands in Louisville, would take us to the uh, Derby. So you walk, you know, like a half a mile to the Der- to Churchill Downs. On that walk is where those vendors that Bucky was talking about are. But there's also all the religious groups that are there, like yelling at you and telling you you're going to hell, and just like you're walking through a uh. gauntlet of nothing but like people that are selling T-shirts with Osama bin Laden's head or something else that's like equally as crazy for whatever's going on that year, and then the people that are yelling at you that you're going to hell. Wow. And I remember walking through there. This was one of the early, not the first year that I went, but you know, one of the earlier times that I went. And Dana's friend, Nikki, was just like, who is the nicest, kindest person, you know, like she's so awesome. So we're walking through and these people, like the religious people are yelling that we're going to hell. And she walks up towards one of them. She's like, I just want to give you a hug. Like, this is crazy. It's so, you know, she was just being a total hippie. And another one of those people stepped in and like got between them. was like, no, you don't touch him. Get away from him. It was like, what the hell is going on? Like it was very territorial. And they're doing the thing like where they're, you know. I guess they're allowed to be on the grass area, wherever the vending area is. So they're right up to the edge of that vending area, just like yelling at you as you're walking down the sidewalk. Like it, uh, it's intense. Do you think that that's you, before you even go into the derby? And you mentioned people selling t-shirts from relevance. Do you think if we would have gotten to go to the Kentucky Derby this year, it would have been nothing but Joe exotic and Carol Baskin t-shirts? Oh, hell yeah. Hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I think they could have capitalized on that. Although, Without the coronavirus, would Joe Exotic have become as popular as he is? Uh, I feel like the only reason that thing hit, well, not the only reason, but the main reason that thing hit is because people are forced to be at home right when it came out. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so, man. I think people would be like, you know what? I'm gonna go outside instead of watching this. Yeah. But now I'm, there's plenty of Joe Exotic shirts. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you can attend a Kentucky Derby. It can go one or one of several ways, but more specifically the weather, um, oh, I know yeah. that when you go to Kentucky Derbies, normally it tends to rain at some point during the day. Yep. Uh, maybe for a few minutes, maybe all day. Uh, my first Kentucky Derby ever, I think, was like Dana mentioned, 2004, um, when Smarty Jones won. It was the first one I went to, and it rained so hard that year that there was one point where I couldn't open my eyes. It was raining so hard, and I was in the infield, no cover. Um, I wasn't in the bathroom. Snatching chains. Snatching chains. I remember leaving that Kentucky Derby, and if if you've been to the Derby and you've been to the infield, you know how you get there. It's underneath the track, and that's underground tunnel that gets you from one to the other. I remember leaving that year, and the water in that underground tunnel was up to your waist. There were people swimming in it. There, were, I mean, it was the oh, most disgusting God. thing I've ever encountered in my life. That party juice. That was oh, the first yeah. one I've ever been to, and it almost turned me off. Turns Dude. out I've been to seven. Dude, that's <laughs> I, like you know the party juice in uh, in Bourbon Street. Like yeah. on, you know what I mean. Like yes. I, that's why I don't wear sandals. Sludge. There. But you just walked waist deep in. I guess you had to. You had to. There was I would no say way New out. Orleans party gravy is worse than Derby party gravy. Oh, for sure. But still, yeah. waist deep, dude. 
There yeah. was no way out. A lot of yeast infections coming out. Yeah. Of that. Did you wear a condom? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> To, to walk out of the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to slip this on real quick. Another thing about the Kentucky Derby is uh, it is notorious for the city of Louisville, which is mainly a Catholic city, to keep their bars open Shoo. all night long. Yeah. That, that day before Derby especially. Like other bars, I feel like it's a little more flexible. But, yeah, the day before Derby – Forget about it. They Bar- don't close. A lot of bars don't close. God bless you if you can drink all day at Derby and then go out. All and, night. And all and go all night. Because I I feel like I've I've been well seasoned in the past and I can't fucking hang, dude. I can remember like I went to the Derby, drank all day, then went and met up with some friends and I'm like still wearing like nicer dress clothes or whatever, you know. And I feel like I feel like I'm holding it together pretty well. And then at one point the night someone's like are you all right? Are you like you look really disheveled? Yeah, <laughs> you're on the, just like you're on look the down, you know, my ties barely on. Like, but meanwhile in my head, I'm like, I'm nailing this. Yeah, I feel great. Uh, <laughs> and then you look at the clock, and it's six thirty. It's, it's all perception. <laughs> well, it was a little later than that. This was, you know, the derby doesn't run till like six thirty. So oh, okay, this was probably yeah. ten p.m. or something. Okay. But juice but box is pretty good. Juice box brings up a good point because when you go to the Kentucky Derby, especially if you're a newbie. Uh, you are constantly thinking about what clothes you're going to wear. Everybody tries to outdo everybody else. It's nothing but seersuckers and hats. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, and I've got a tip for you guys out there, don't wear white pants to the derby. I have done that before, Oof. and I'll never do it again. It was the only time I got these director pants from Express, and they were nice, and they were expensive, and they looked great, and that was the only day I ever wore them. See, I don't think I could ever wear white pants ever, ever. Especially they, they not would, after Labor Day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that's a good note. Thank you. Uh, I'm putting that in my journal right now. No white pants at the Kentucky Derby. No. Right. In fact, if I go back and I'm not in the box that, you know, potentially we could still have. We don't know yet. But mm. we don't want to get our hopes too far up. Um, but if I go back and it's on my own dime, I am not. There's a good chance I'm not dressing up. No, that's what I've decided. And Dana and I have talked about this a little bit. Like, we haven't been the past several years ever since Barrett was born. And I didn't even go the couple of years before that because, man, it is taxing. Like, it is – it's fun, but it, it's a lot. Yeah. And and about half the time, Dana and I would end up getting in an argument towards the end of the day because, you know, you've both been drinking all day. And you've been close all day long. Yeah, and it's just – it's chaos. It's draining. But – We've both been to kind of kick around the idea of going back and going to the infield because the infield is such a party shit show. Like, you don't need to dress up. You can wear some comfortable shoes. You can wear some comfortable clothes. You don't need to worry about looking nice. Like, it, it's just a free for all. I mean, you go in there, you watch people running across the tops of uh, the porta potties. People are throwing beer cans at them, trying to knock them off. Like, it, it's an Sounds event like, like Burning nothing else. Man. Yeah. Pr- well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have, like I said, all my stories kind of end up blending together. Um, I just want to give a second shout out to something Dana mentioned that um, uh, down the field lounge. Yeah, yeah. Down the. Down the stretch. Down down the the stretch. stretch. Down the stretch lounge. uh, That little like trailer that people haul into the parking lot there out in front of Churchill Downs. It is the place to go if you're going to the Derby. That is. If it happens this year, again, we're still hopeful. Um, We wanted to officially round out this this podcast we want to bring it to a have closure is what we're looking for let me throw out a real like we've kind of been joking around and 
half serious about this. Well, let me throw out a serious question. If this, if the Derby does happen on September 5th or whenever, are you guys actually going to go? I mean, if we, if we still have those tickets, I'm definitely going. If we're in a box, I don't know if I want to be out in a big crowd. Are you asking a Let's morality see. question right now? Do I think that I should be with 120,000 people four months after? That's that's what I'm getting at. Sloshing around in party juice. And yeah, to me, I'm that I thought of that makes me a little uneasy. But I don't know. Like, have I just been brainwashed by the media, or like? But you see all these memes, you know, if, if you've done this, you're immune to the coronavirus. I think if you've been to the infield and you've been in a situation like I have walking through that tunnel with waist deep water, I might be immune. Okay. <laughs> Are they going to have us stand six feet apart in the infield? That would be odd. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's the thing. Like, are they going to limit attendance or anything? Or, it, like, getting it? I mean, there's no avoiding being just right on top of everybody else maybe, inside of that place. Maybe not ma- this year, but next year. Maybe not this year. I might sit this year out. So yeah, you just, wouldn't go? Because I think if you have your own box and all rules are open, like, you can go sit. We can all be together. But it doesn't want. matter. if you Even if you have a box, you're, not, you're still going to have to be around a shit ton of people to True. get to that box. Like, it's not like you're walking through some VIP exclusive thing. Like, you're, you're, you're still in the elevator. mix. Yeah. True. And then you get on an elevator and go up to your box where there's still a ton of people. Can you see into the future and imagine that if handshakes really were, went away and we went to butt slaps or good games, Kentucky Derby would be a whole different thing? Thing. Oh, dude, there'd be so many butt slaps. So I, many. I don't even know what you're implying. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but before <laughs> we get out of here, I do want to tell one more funny story from the Kentucky Derby that involves Old Boy. Uh, oh. We've touched on it a couple of times. I do remember standing in the paddock a few years back, and we were there together, and it was a great time, and we'd been drinking quite a bit, and he went off. Uh, sometimes he goes off for walks or roams, and he comes back, and he's like, Bucky, Bucky. And I'm like, what? And he goes, dude. Look over there. And I looked over there, and he goes, I am not lying to you, Bucky. That is Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and I, I, it was the same split time. It's Reggie. I looked over my shoulder, and I was like, I don't think that's Reggie Jackson. And this goes back to you know what you see when you're intoxicated or if I've had a few. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a secret. I knew it wasn't Reggie Jackson <laughs> So you were walking around the paddock trying to convince people. And I just walked up to this dude. I was like, oh, my God, dude, Reggie Jackson. And this guy went right along with it. He's like, yep, I'm Reggie. I was like, all right, dude, we're getting a fucking picture with Mr. October. And here, <laughs> here is the funny thing is he literally convinced people to take pictures with this guy, Other which we people. still have a few. I think I'll – I'll try to post that on our socials because it, it does bring some funny to a not-so-fun time oh right now. God, that's, that's great. That's um, great. That's awesome. Well, we hope that we get to attend the Kentucky Derby on September 5th. Uh, if not, it's not that big of a deal uh, other than the fact that it will be the first interrupted, consistent Kentucky Derby to happen ever. Yeah, which so is crazy. you're saying that the coronavirus can take down the Kentucky Derby, but the Great Depression, Civil War, or uh, World War didn't. Uh, but this will, and that's pretty insane to think about. Yeah. As always, uh, wherever you are, uh, whether you're at your home, at your work, uh, listening to this in your car, when you get a chance, please take 30 seconds to go on wherever you're listening to this podcast today and like us, rate us, uh, tell your friends about us, uh, 
Not tell your, your mom and them. Not your family. Uh, but tell your friends about us. Go on our socials, like us there. Uh, send us messages, what you want us to cover You know, coming up. We will be happy to do that. Through this all this sad time right now, we're going to continue to bring you these episodes every single week. We're not going to stop until we are forced to stop. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you don't have children, have one. Have one. Catch up. Yeah. We want you to know what we go through. Yeah. The fear. Bye.